Hello and welcome everybody to this week's edition of the LFC Transfer Room. We are joined by our two other co-hosts, which is Richie, who is a writer for Liverpool uh, LFC Transfer Room, and uh, our main man on the YouTube channel, uh, Mr. YouTube extraordinaire, is Matty. (laughs) Very kind. Uh, before I forget my own name, uh, I'm Daz. I'm the producer and co-host for a podcast called The Liverpool Connection, but I also uh, host uh, this this show, LFC Transfer Room. Um, and today we will be discussing uh, some movement movements of the current transfer window and news and links uh, surrounding Liverpool Football Club. But uh, today we've got an added bonus because we have a special guest, uh, former journalist from the Liverpool Echo. It's Mr. Dan Kay. Hello, everyone. Nice, one. nice to meet you. Thanks for having me on. It's good to have you on, mate. The listeners are uh, the listeners are all happy as well because it's not just us three talking. Yeah, we have faces for radio. <laughs> well, we're, we're we're hoping to pick your brain today, so we're we're going to talk. That won't take long. <laughs> <laughs> A great British Bake Off. No, no, no. We're um, going to talk about, uh, you know, some transfers that have been uh, out and about, and I will uh, give it to uh, Richie and Matty. Okay, yeah, so thank you for that. First things first, let's go ahead and give you guys your weekly segment of transfer headlines. So, are you all ready? Let's get started. The first one, obviously, the biggest news is that Jeannie Wijnaldum is set to join PSG after the French side offered more than double what Barcelona did right at the last minute, according to Fabrizio Romano. And Jeannie is expected to sign a contract until 2024, snubbing Barcelona, which is always such a shame, hey? And uh, Gianluigi Longaria, an Italian reporter for Channel Sports Italia, uh, is saying that Liverpool read the race for Rafinha, but they're yet to make a formal inquiry. While on the other end, outlet reads live, say Rafinha is not available at any price and it will take an astronomical offer to, for us to get him, basically, from Leeds. Yeah, and the Zambian coach, uh, Militin Shredovic, has um, said that Patson Dakar is not in his current Zambian squad because he is sorting out his future for next season. So where he is off to, we think we might have a little idea that we'll explore a little bit later. Hopefully it's in the red shirt of Liverpool. And reliable Be- Belgian journalist Sven Klaas claims that Liverpool are interested in signing Yuri Thielmans uh, and that the Belgian midfield he was stalled on a new contract with Leicester after the Reds have declared their interest in him. I think Champions League football might be the one that's swaying him in this one. Absolutely. The Daily Mail have also claimed um, that Kelleher is set to go on loan this summer. Obviously, Liverpool's uh, reserve goalkeeper we actually spoke about last week and we said how impressed he was in in every performance, really. Um, While Mark Ogden of ESPN says that Adrian is likely to leave Liverpool this summer. And in the same report, Mark Dog then reported that Liverpool have only got £50 million to spend this summer unless they can sell some players to raise more funds. It's not clear from the report if this figure's included the finalised from Ibrahim Akanasi for £35 million or if that is to come out at the 50 as well. And then various sources, really, uh, around the world. The AFCON 2020 may be cancelled. Um, unfortunately, there's civil war at the moment and the COVID-19 situation in Cameroon has already made the draw untenable and they have suspended it. And there are actually discussions that the AFCON may be suspended, which will obviously impact Liverpool uh, and all of our African players. Um, so that is our transfer roundup. And for more information on these stories, please do head to our website. Um, lads, anything in there, really, that... 
that take your interest. I mean, for me, there's there's a Pats and Daka link. I'm, I'm just all of my head said he's going to Leipzig because it makes absolute sense, you know, with the Red Bull connection. I'll just love to see him at Liverpool. And for 25 million that's being rumoured, I just think that's a snip for a forward as as good, as fast, as pressing as Pat Sandaka. Would you put money down, Rich? <laughs> uh, I might have put a few pounds uh, into a Paddy Power account, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's only Daka for me as well, to be honest. Um, I, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if that £50 million pound one does have to take an RCL's fix, if that's the case then. We're nearly spent up, which is mad, because where's the funds gone from winning the Champions League and the Premier League? But, but I mean, yeah. where, where do these where, where do these people find this like fifty million? I mean, are, are, are they you know no. part of FSG that? Because uh, that's that's a question, uh, Dan. I I want to you know ask you as well. Basically, uh, is how how does the like when you worked for for the Echo? Mm. How did that work? Um, you know um, your sources. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, I have to make it clear from the outset, I was never like directly on the front line of reporting. I think in terms of the people that are brought into, into yeah, we, 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 most of us on this senior team certainly would have contact with the club's press officer. And on occasions we would, we, we would be, we would ask, we would try to stand things up for them. It's really only the kind of, you know, the main club correspondence that would be brought into the kind of the inner loop like that. But even then, I think only to a very, very limited extent. Um, I think you know, the probably maybe go on to this slightly further later on, but the whole landscape has changed in the last twenty. You know, until maybe 15, 20 years ago, the clubs needed the papers more than the other way around. We were basically their voice between themselves and the supporters. Obviously, now they've got their own media operations themselves, websites, TV channels, radio stations. So in many ways, they're competing. So I, th- I you know, I think they only release a far more limited extent. Of information in terms of what they would use, what they used to, but a lot of it is, but you know, they'll tell us what they want us to put out, and there will always be a certain element of kind of politics and really PR involved. Um, so, but you know, long and short of it, that figure of fifty million, I would imagine, has just been magic to have added in there by someone. I can't imagine anyone at the club, or to be honest, most clubs ever putting a specific figure on things because that's just generally what they wouldn't want to kind of tie themselves to that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's strange it came from ESPN as well. You know, um, mm. it just it just seems a bit of a far-fetched outlet that is going to be associated with Liverpool and they're the only one who knows that it's 50 million. And they may well have picked it up from a smaller outlet because, you know, the way everything works now, I wouldn't call it plagiarism, but everyone watches what everyone else is doing. And there's a lot of republishing that goes on. You know, it, 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 I think... A lot of places, I think certainly the Echo was going that way. When we do republish someone else's news, we will link it to them. I mean, you know, transfer rumours have become like the the meat and potatoes of, of daily content for, for many media organisations for quite a few years now. And particularly for, for, a, for an organisation like the Echo that, that obviously has a certain element of, of respect and kind of authority amongst supporters. You've got to be very careful you know, when you say it's not this isn't the Echo saying it, it's ESPN or Football Insider or Sportlens or whichever one of the millions of websites out there are churning out transfer news. And I'd say news, obviously, with the kind of inverted commas, because some of it is not really news, but stuff to fill content and, and spikes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what about Genie? Um, yeah. 
I mean, it was a bit of a mystery, isn't it? It's, it's yet he's he's yet to actually say why he's left. I think I think I mean we've discussed it, and Matty, you said about it, the contract length being offered at Liverpool wasn't what he wanted. Um, for me, I, I say fair play to him really for joining PSG. I think there's probably as silly as it sounds, less pressure at PSG than Barcelona because he's more likely to win something. And let's not forget. Barcelona were, you know, in the end, a little way off Atletico in La Liga. There is going to be pressure on him straight away to go in and make an impact and, and regain Messi that title. Um, so, yeah, thoughts on Genie leaving uh, for PSG? Ah, brilliant. Yeah, all the best to it. You know, uh, I, I still can't understand these people on like t- Twitter and all that. Uh, they call themselves Liverpool fans and they're, ju- they're just like, you know, he can, you know, f off and all this stuff. I'm like, what? I mean, he, he's an amazing servant for, for for Liverpool Football Club, and all, all we can do is say, you know, good good luck, and uh, there you go. Take care of your family. That's what he's doing. He's Absolutely, I mean, he's thirty, isn't he? Yeah. I, I think anyone, and, I, and I've seen some of the crap out there. Out, you know, what's he ever done, and, and this. That. I think anyone that comes that cannot appreciate what he's given to this Liverpool team and squad over the last four or five years has never watched him in the ground certainly and I would also venture doesn't really know much about football he's Liverpool's many of Liverpool's great sides have had a lot of un- unsung heroes like to Ronnie Whelan going back a few years ago and I, I am disappointed to see him leave and I'm a little surprised he's gone to PSG on the face of it you kind of think oh has he just gone for the money then but looking at it maybe a bit wider PSG are getting closer aren't they they are knocking on the door I did see a report yesterday or today but you know Pochettino I think Mm-hmm. From the sounds of it, is quite a big influential figure in that, and I can, you know, I can, I can understand why he's going there on that basis. I think in a different, in a parallel universe, he, he would have been either looked to have gone to gone to Barcelona with Cuban there, but they do look a club in a bit of a mess at the moment, and I can, I can kind of, he was linked with Bayern Munich as well, I think, wasn't he? Which I kind of thought, I kind of half expected him to end up there rather than Barcelona, to be honest. But if he's decided to go to PSG, then good luck to him, and you know, I hope he does get the chance to come and play it, you know. To get the kind of reception from, I know he got one of the ten thousand in the last game against Palace, but I really hope he gets the chance to come back to Anfield and get the the huge reception he deserves because he's he's a twenty four carat Liverpool legend in my eyes. You know, one of the greats. I think he might have spoke to Coutinho as well about his treatment of yeah. Barcelona and thought, what's the point in going there if if you don't like it? They just bin you off anyway. So at least he's mm. going to PSG, get a few games. He's and what if he's getting a fat payback at his face? He's going to be retired in five years. So. And from the sounds of it, Liverpool have underpaid him for quite a while as well. He has kind of alluded to the fact as well, hasn't he, that he might kind of give the full story. He's kind of Mm. hinted at that a couple of times in an interview recently. And, you know, I I can't imagine he'll be the type to kind of really trash the club. And I hope he doesn't because, but, you know, from the sounds of it, what you kind of allude, it sounds like contract length was the issue. And obviously Liverpool got a lot of players going into the 30s. So they, they obviously, you know, can't afford to have too many big earners at that end of the, of the deal, but it is a shame, and I think he would. Uh, it'll be a big miss for, for, for the rest next for the next couple of seasons. I think without a doubt. Well, I've been he never. Um, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. sorry I was going to say it, it, this was his original contract. You know, from when we signed mm. him from Newcastle, so he'd never signed the, an extension. He'd never signed new terms. So we're definitely underpaying him, considering how yeah. much he plays for us, and considering how you know, how well he plays with us. I know that people nickname him Ghost and things like that. He does go missing on certain occasions, but who doesn't? You know, people hail Bruno Fernandes, but I've never seen him play well in a big game. So, you know, let, let's let's face it, Genie Wijnaldum is Liverpool legend and I don't see why anyone would say otherwise. 
Well, there's, no, there's no Madrid without Gini Wijnaldum. No. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you? Well, you lads think um, Poch is staying there? Yeah, I think so now. Yeah, I think the fact that I mean, obviously, the reports that came out with Gini is that Poch is Poch was the one who persuaded him to go. Um, I'd like to think it was that rather than the double money. But again, who, who can blame him? Um, so it would be counterproductive now for Poch to leave and. Again, without without sounding, I don't know, too biased, I suppose. Why would you leave PSG and Neymar and Wijnaldum and Mbappe for Spurs, who are in disarray? True. Unless unless Daniel Levy had something, you know, because it looks like Harry Kane's off, and you kind of got the impression when Pochettino back to Spurs was put into the mix, it was almost possibly a leverage tactic to you know a desperate bid to get Kane to stay. But you kind of think if it, if that was going to happen, it had happened by now. There's already been talk since then of Spurs talking to and failing to land Antonio Conte as well. So it would, and also you know, the way he was treating them, one of my oldest mates is a big Spurs fan. And all right, they had, you know, they overperformed to get to Madrid and to do what they've done the last few years, but they were building something. And then to, you know, to jib him off after what, what was it, October, November, for, you know, a, a, yeah. you know, a, a slightly poor start was said everything, unfortunately, about a lot of the forces that seem to rule modern football. Yeah, absolutely. I think as well, like, there isn't a plan anymore. Whereas under Pochettino, they were they were exciting. Tottenham, they were really good to watch. They were attacking. They were, you know, relentless at times. And that's the reason why they got through Ajax, just purely because they attacked and attacked. And Lucas Moura had an absolute wonder. Um, but then Mourinho came in, and that playbook went out the window. And that just that playbook didn't suit Harry Kane, Lucas Moura, Deli Ali, especially. You know, even Gareth Bale, who shone towards the end of the season. So. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Spurs because a lot of people have rejected them. Um, and I think that speaks volumes of the ownership. I think it speaks volumes because there's still, I think, a decent fan base as well. We had a, I had a boss mm. time in Madrid with loads of Spurs yeah, yeah. fans. It was Belter. Always been a sound club, Spurs. You know, but, but I mean, but the, the Seven Sisters Road in the 70s and 80s used to be a bit moody by all accounts, slightly before my time, but some of the stories I've heard from them. But no, I'd agree. You know, it, particularly after what we've seen, you know, some of the, you know, when there was what, 15,000 in Lisbon the other week? And you know, City and Chelsea fans made made a show of themselves. There was what a conservative estimate, seventy or eighty thousand British football fans in Madrid, and not a blind bit of trouble before and afterwards. Everyone got on great with each other, and I, I do feel for them because you know, I mean, for them, you know, particularly with the Super League business, for them to put themselves forward was laughable, you know. And, and I think a lot of the Spurs fans could see that and cringe because of it and despair because the, you know, the club just seems to be. They, they, like a lot, like Arsenal to a certain degree, they hung, they hung the hats on a new stadium being the panacea for everything, and that's not necessarily the case, isn't it? Arsenal haven't won a league since yeah, they've had theirs what fifteen years. They might have paid off the debt, but they're actually further away now than when they built it. Yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, which is why FSG extending this, the stadium as as they are doing and planning to do further is obviously so much better than building a new one. Uh, and I, I completely back FSG on that. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Um, it keeps the atmosphere as well because it, it's a new stadium's nice, but it's impossible. Like there's, there's certain blocks in Anfield which make the most noise. So trying to get that in a new stadium, you've it's too hard. It's like you just obviously got to put people wherever, and that's what kills atmosphere. The Emirates is not unlike Highbury, not on at all like it. Atmosphere wise, same with West Ham as well. Yeah, oh, exactly. Brilliant example. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. They, they, they've dodged a little bit. They, they've kind of over. You know, they've had this great season under Moyes, but. Generally, the sense of disquiet and dissent around that club has been very, very clear, palpable since you know since they moved there. I, you know, as 
I've, I've always said if the only thing FSG ever did for us was build us that main stand and keep us at Anfield, I'd have said thanks very much because the thought of Liverpool, you know, it, it, it's more than bricks and mortar. You know what I mean? You know, mm. that pitch, the number of people whose ashes have been scattered there, the memories that are housed there. It, it, it's, it is, you know, Liverpool's USP in many ways. We all know how many games the ground and obviously the people within it have won on its own. So if all they'd ever done for us was keep us there, I'd have, I'd have been grateful for that. And obviously they've, they've done plenty more than that. You know, obviously primarily bringing in Jurgen Klopp. He's ushered in this, you know, fantastic golden era for us. That's not to say they haven't made some serious, massive mistakes, obviously. And I'm absolutely no fanboy of them whatsoever and have been, you know, very critical of them at every step of the way, whether it's £77 tickets or trademark in the Liverbird or obviously the, the Super League abomination. But it is encouraging that, that, that they do seem to be, even if they do keep making it to some degree the same mistakes, which is frustrating. The fact that they, they are willing to engage with supporters. I, I sat in on the Spirit of Shankly uh, open meeting last week, going into detail about you know, they're literally willing to change the constitution of the club to give you know, supporters a meaningful say. Now, obviously, until that's done, until that's watertight and made law, it, you know, it, it, it's not over the line. But you know, that to me shows that they are probably as good their owners as we could get at the moment at the end of the day the businessmen they're there to make money there's no point if we want 75 million pound centre-backs then that comes with the territory but they're not the glazers they're not sport washing uh oligarchs and like i say at the moment i think they're as good as we're going to get let's just go into detail about what you just said sorry just about the spirit of shankly meeting what what was what was the main um the concept there then what was the main aim of, of spirit of shankly and the owners well, you know, as you know, I'm sure you're aware, they you know they've they've released publicly the fact that you know they they are the main recognised trust. You know, they, they are an official supporters union that was you know it's been in business 2008, I think. So we're talking 13 years now. So on the back of obviously the whole fiasco of the aborted Super League that, that you know that lasted didn't even last 48 hours, they have had a number of meetings with the club now. Uh, you know the you know the, the top table of the SOS. So this this meeting basically was to go into a little bit of a, a little bit more. This meeting, rather, was to go into some bit more detail about how things potentially would work going forward, the aims of what these talks have set out to achieve. You know, the, I think the ultimate aim, and this has been ever since the union was launched, ultimately is, is, is supporter ownership. Now, the way the British society, the British game is structured, whether that's ever going to be you know, like the Spanish model or even the German model, whether that's ever going to be possible, I don't know. But it was, it was largely basically partly to, to, to lay out in, in a bit more detail, how, how exactly things might work, and obviously nothing set in stone yet. And also just to answer questions, you know, there were hundreds and hundreds of questions that have been put in. Uh, nearly had a limited amount of time; I think it only lasted an hour. But they, they've since you know released the full meeting on the website, and it's an ongoing process. You know what I mean? This is going to be. Um, I, think, well, I think one of the, the interesting things was that because I think was it possibly Spurs and Chelsea since this whole thing happened have announced that basically they'd be given two seats on the board. And everyone's like, oh, well, that's ultimately what you want. But they actually explained, explained quite well that in, in reality, that isn't the best case scenario. Because once you're part of the board, you're limited by things like, you know, just, you know certain things, you disclosure, certain, certain things you can't say. Having some kind of distance means that, you know, they're, they're part of the conversation, but they're not absolutely locked into it. So they still have that freedom to dissent and to veto things and to not be dragged along. So... You know, it, it's it, for for the real for the full SP. I would recommend everyone go onto the Spirit of Shanky website, join the union if you can. You know, there's power without getting political. There's power in 
togetherness. Our, our club, our city is built on that. And, you know, it's only because of supporter power, people power, that this thing collapsed on its heart within 48 hours. You know, the arrogance of all the people at the top of it thought they could railroad it through, but they obviously didn't reckon on not just Liverpool supporters, but football supporters across the world saying, no, this is our game, we will not allow it. And it's important that that momentum is maintained, I think. That's really interesting. Thank you for that. Um, just going back to what you said then uh, about how transfers work in terms of the media, obviously social media has you know, basically destroyed all print media. Um, could you give like any information about you know what to report on or, or what the club you know presents to you uh, or or any information really about targets or anything transfer related? Well, I mean, what you said there, so social media has, has killed the print media. It hasn't yet. I hope it won't, but I do fear it is a kind of inexorable process that ultimately will happen, and there may be no such things as as, as hard copy newspapers in. 5, 10, 15, 20 years time. I hope not, because that's what I was brought up on, even though in my 18 years at the Echo, from day one, I was part of the digital team. I was part of that kind of process of that integration, really, of going from one to the other. But I, I do still believe it in, in, in print media. But obviously, because um, you know, it's an existential crisis that print media faces. You know, Essentially, everything is given away for free online. Now, what business can possibly hope to survive if it's given away its product for nothing? Now, you know, the, the basic funding model of, of certainly local media has always been advertising anyway. So obviously, the only way it survives is, is by online advertising. And the only way you bring online advertising in is obviously to say, well, it is, is, to, is to show the reach that you can give advertisers their products. And that, that informs the kind of the mentality so much that the, the Echo's parent company, Trinity Mirror, actually changed the name, which, which, is, which is, I think, certainly one of the biggest, biggest media groups in Europe. I think the second biggest in Europe. Uh, behind Kirch in Germany, certainly that was the case a few years ago. They actually changed the name a few years ago to Reach PLC, which shows how much the, how much of a shift it's been. And so, the, so that's why everything is informed by analytics. Everything is informed by numbers. And in a news sense, the things that do best are hard crime and showbiz. And in a sporting sense, football sense, the things that do best are transfers. So that's why, certainly for you know. A lot of you know, the established print titles, transfer news now plays an absolutely fundamental part of what of how people work on a day to day basis. But it does come with problems because, like I say, in the past, I think the Echo would always take some care to like not go into too much gossip, too much um, rumor, because you know to kind of maintain that reputation, that authority that had been built up obviously for decades and decades and decades. However those kind of standards have had to be lowered because of, because of the bottom line, because unfortunately people, you know, they've been in my 18 years there, I think there was maybe probably close to 10 times that job cuts were announced because it is unfortunately sadly a declining industry. So pushing transfer stuff ultimately is something that, that, that the Echo always seeks to, you know, the, the any media organisation, including the Echo, has to make a, you know, certainly a big part of what they do. In terms of how the club work, you know, like you say, the whole the whole landscape has shifted because they want think they want to report things on their terms. So, I think they do. They will some. You know, it, they will sometimes. You, you, you'll often see the phrase "the echo understands," and that, when you see that, that will mean that something has been put to a press officer, and he's come back and said, "Well, there might be something in it." But that, I think they'll very, very, very rarely go into a lot of detail or really stand things up to a great extent because ultimately they want to they want to break it on their own sites 
they don't want to be scooped on their own story because ultimately that we are competitors now within the media landscape but i think there is an appreciation that ultimately we you know say we even though i've left three months ago you know i'm very proud to work for the echo for so long and always be a part of me there, there is an association that the, the, the lads at the echo ha- and the lasses at the echo have a job to do and ultimately it's kind of like a working relationship between the two but very much with both sides and the knowledge now that it's the echo it's, it's the club that calls the tune absolutely i mean the one that stuck out for me really um because i i just always read the echo for everything liverpool um was the fabino deal because that was just a shot out mm. of nowhere that was like done sealed delivered in like two hours and god knows how long that had been going on for and even this summer to be fair with diogo jota nobody saw yeah, that yeah. come in you know so it just seems that yeah it just i don't know i, I don't know whether the club uh like you've said like trying to keep things for themselves and going hey surprise because nobody knew it seemed to me anyway no one knew about Fabinho uh and certainly yeah. no one knew about Jota I think with Fabinho Fabinho was was proper old school wasn't it you know and, and Diego Jota back from the days when I was a kid when you'd literally it would just be presented as a face accomplished so it was class to be fair it was absolutely yeah. brilliant I loved it well and particularly with Fabinho as well it was literally what 24 48 hours after the defeat in Kiev which you know, which I still maintain was a fire, a phenomenal day in Kiev. Obviously, the match was disappointing, but obviously everything that's happened since paints Kiev in a certain light. And I, I, when I I hear the word Kiev, I have generally fond memories. But obviously, you'd lost the final. There was a doubt. You know, are we just you know, is this one of our crests and falls of, that we've had for the last twenty odd years? And literally for that, I think it was the bank. I was actually in work on the bank holiday. I'm feeling a bit glum, a bit hungover. It was my birthday the day before. So if we'd won in Kiev, the homecoming parade would have been on my birthday. So that was another reason I was a bit gutted. I was obviously very gutted that we lost. And it just gave everybody a massive lift, didn't it? Um, I think what that also kind of illustrated as well is the way Liverpool's transfers work now with the likes of Michael Edwards and Michael Gordon and the transfer, the work that they do behind the scenes. I imagine Jossie was the same. Jossie Jossie was the day after Thiago, wasn't it? Which was, it was very much kind of like chalk and cheese because Thiago was very much a modern transfer saga that was played out every day in the media for three months and finally got over the line death by a thousand cuts and then literally jot around nowhere 30 and within like probably three or four hours of the first rumors it was it was basically done wasn't it but i yeah. i think that generally you get the impression that's how liverpool like to do business i think i hope they'll have learned their lessons from this year generally it is all about planning and forward thinking and you know thinking two or three steps ahead of the other club however you do sometimes have to react to things i think to a certain degree the tiago signing was proof that they, they will occasionally break their kind of principles because obviously signing a 29 year old all right he was free but i'm sure he's on a, a, an enormous contract and obviously they took a gamble with the defenders in the summer didn't they and it massively bit them in the ass they didn't replace lovren they gambled on having you know two out of the three main center halves gomez, gomez and Matip, who were chronically injury prone and then they also they also dropped a bollock in, in my opinion in um january you know if they decided you know, the two lives that were brought in should have been brought in at the start and ultimately that's probably what cost us any realistic chance of of keeping pace with city but you know no one's perfect obviously we're living in a pandemic which has obviously changed the entire financial landscape for them as well and you know generally they've more often than not shown signs of learning from mistakes so hopefully this summer we'll see proof of that. Well, obviously it's not made easier by the fact that there's a tournament going on, which you know a lot of the key people they might be looking at will be involved in that now. 
Well, before we um, before we get on to anything else, um, we are going to do this over a two-parter. Um, so that is it for part one. Um, we will be releasing part two, obviously, later on with Dan and with Daz, Matty and myself uh, later on this week. Uh, but for now, we're going to sign off. And that is the end of part one. Uh, so thank you everyone for listening and uh, it's, it's I mean for me it's been really intriguing it's been inspirational and it's, it's just been generally interesting really to hear Dan's point of view uh, as well as obviously Daz and Matty's as well so thank you so much for that um, thanks and yeah we, I mean we, we're going to get on to transfers and we're going to get on to more um, more questions for Dan so please do stay tuned for part two which is going to come out later on in the week uh, but from me from Daz from Dan and Matty for now it's goodbye